able to connect. Connected, here comes some music for the audience. Tax the rich, feed the poor, tell their own old rich no Thank you, Alvin Lee, for ushering us into another little get-together here. Two hours together on a weekday, the Thursday being today's date. And the date, the actual physical date, one day before the end of the calendar year, 12-30-21 hike. Somebody, man, who's uh, who's messing around the kitchen back there? Uh, so anyway, it might be Brent. Brent's off the plantation, so he's messing around the kitchen. Is that it? Um. Here we go, Roger Sales, your host and uh, leader, moderator, question, answer, most of the time. Uh, don't have to be a call screener anymore. Thank you, Jitsi. And uh, all the other things and hats that we wear around here. Happy to be here. Happy to be have have my hands on the controls of the wheel here this morning with you fine folks as we near the end of this year. I don't know. Is it going to be good to get 21 out or is it, are we facing a stark reality of 22? Okay. Uh, obviously, we can discuss that and other things here this morning as we spend the next 120 minutes together uh, live and in livid color on Eurofolk Radio following such illustrious writers and hosts as Andrew Carrington Hitchcock, who uh, I have a little bit of a relationship with now, and I really am pleased to have that. He's a mighty fine guy, Andy is, and I love to listen to his programs. And, you know, Andy runs a show, but he doesn't really discuss much. He just sits back and lets people talk. Have you noticed that, Jeff? I mean, I was trying to entice him in, you know. I said, I like to have dialogue, you know. <laughs> I don't think he said ten words in the whole hour. <laughs> Yes, he's one of the few that contexts the conversation correctly. <laughs> and uh, so, <laughs> kind of funny. Um, interesting, a couple of things about that. Of course, only had an hour. It's very difficult to get across this stuff in an hour, even to hit the high points adequately, especially when you're talking with somebody that's not from our country and doesn't have the relatability, the knowledge, the historical connection, etc. And they're a little bit different over there across the pond, you know. Um, but I remember uh, Paul... English are mine and Andy's mutual friend, some of you too, um, telling me uh, years ago, I said he had seen a statistic somewhere that the majority of people that listen to podcasts listen to archives. So a huge percentage, you know, and I can understand that, especially when the country was more at work than it has been for the last two years. Uh, but I've gotten a number of emails. Excuse me. My stomach's wanting to give me some feedback. Um, Number of emails, not copious amounts, but a few of uh, uh, folks that have obviously listened to Andy's uh, podcast and didn't hear the broadcast live. And uh, very flattering, you know, and several of them kind of said the same thing. said, wow, did that hour go by fast? <laughs> Fascinating information. Please send me more. So, of course, I'm obliged. And uh, we may have some of those folks on today. Who knows? Um, so that was kind of uh, always interesting to me. It was, it was kind of in stark contrast, really 
to the uh, Jim White interview I did, and of course that was you know on Christmas week there, and and we again we even though we had two hours, it was still pressed to get stuff in there. I took a little bit different approach with Jim on that show. Uh, I ate up a little bit of the first quarter, twenty five percent of the interview. But out of that interview, I didn't get one single request for additional information. Now, we shoved the, you know, Radio Ranch at Mail.com little blurb in at the very last of the program. But it's just kind of interesting, you know, and um, uh, to me anyway, because I can still get on after six weeks or eight weeks or however long it's been on the Sunday platform with Thumper. And and I'll mention that, and every time I get additional uh, requests for information. So that's kind of interesting to me how those things develop. But I know we're growing, and I know there's more and more people that are looking for answers, and we got them. And I got to think that uh, the, the, the big guy uh, is going to open the door here in 22. I mean, I just feel it. You know, and the reason I say that is uh, when I was in the music industry, I developed a sixth sense uh, through a professional endeavor, of course, because what I did and back then, you got to realize is a whole different world back then in the 70s, especially in the broadcast uh, mediums, because you had independent ownership all over the place. And there was some regulations that have been set by the FCC, and it was uh, limitations on ownership so that nobody got a monopoly of information, which, of course, they've totally turned around thanks to Newt Gingrich and his deregulation bill. But back then, at first, there was seven, seven, and seven, triple sevens, uh, for a long time. And uh, uh, seven, seven, seven meant that you could not own more than seven AM, seven FM, and seven TV stations. And you couldn't own any, any of them, hardly, except the AM, FM combos in the same market. There were some companies that were grandfathered into that, one of them uh, being the predominant one I know about. There's probably more than this one, but I just were familiar with it because they're headquartered in Atlanta, is the Cox Broadcasting Chain, which, of course, is all over the country. And Cox is a a very, very, uh, boy, they got a lot of properties. And it turns out, if you ever research the Cox family, uh, surprise, surprise, the great-grandfather was a senator, United States senator, who owned newspapers i believe from ohio and as the fcc uh, as the transition in 33 happened and the fcc got rolled in and regulatory stuff started happening he uh, was very prescient and bought some really key uh, purchased however whatever graft allowed him to do it uh, purchased some real key entities in atlanta their properties are wsb am fm tv and they also own the atlanta journal constitution it's very rare that you'll see anybody with that kind of control over a market uh, they also control and uh, own the uh, miami herald i know and then they've gotten heavily heavily into cable uh, and probably some of you are listening on Cox Cable Connection here this morning. Um, but regardless, back then, uh, you could get grandfathered into situations like that. And uh, But for a long time, it was 7, 7, and 7. And then they changed it to 12, 12, and 12. You could do the same formula, just 12. And uh, so uh, that's where some of the great radio chains were built, by the way. Uh, predominantly, the one that comes to mind besides Cox is an outfit out of Boston. We got some of our Boston guys on with us occasionally here. And uh, any of the Boston guys would be very, very familiar with a flagship station of a chain up there called WRKO. Uh, K in WRKO, by the way, stands for Kennedy. Uh, 
And uh, when I first got into the business, WRKO was uh, because it was really a lot of AM, uh, AM radio stations were the boss back then. And it was totally before FM penetration. You know, the music revolution of the 60s is what kind of brought FM to a forefront. There still wasn't a lot of people doing it uh, when I was in the business. And it was it was changing at that point. But uh, AM was still the big dogs. And RKO used to have the preeminent am stations in the country rko in boston khj in los angeles i believe is the big am out there uh jeff you're uh, uh your your area cliff in dallas i believe whbq in memphis uh one of the big stations in minneapolis st paul back then they could only own seven you know and so that was the rko chain and i was fortunate enough when I was, I, I really, in this lifetime, I've been very fortunate. I've met some really, really key, important people, you know. Uh, and I don't know how or why, but I just crossed paths with them. Pete Maravich was, you know, I met him at LSU. And I'm in the music business. I met Herb Alpert and, and a lot of those guys, you know. Uh, but the one guy that really contributed heavily to media was a fellow that I would have never met had he not retired in Panama City. And his name was Philip Yarborough. His real name was Philip Yarborough. Uh, you would know him if you wanted to go look him up in a search engine as Bill Drake. Uh, and Bill Drake was a, a, an exceptional guy for his contribution, certainly very interesting fellow. He may, he, this guy used to have record company presidents bowing at his feet. I'm not kidding you. Okay. He was real, real good friends with Elvis. Anytime Elvis played in Las Vegas, he'd have Bill over there, and they'd rent adjoining suites and have hot and cold running women going through there and everything else. He used to tell me those stories. And I would have never have met this guy, uh, except that, he, as I said, he retired to Panama City. One of the reasons he did that is he was from a little town in South Georgia outside of Albany, and he was very familiar with the area. Uh, as anybody from there would be. Um, and also because uh, Florida had no income tax, and he liked it down there. It was close to home, all that kind of stuff. So he went down and got a, a big uh, condominium building and bought the penthouse, and he was six foot eight, big, tall guy. And so he had the whole thing redone for his height, and, uh, and living there in Panama City, he had a chauffeur, and the guy's chauffeur was his, was his butler, you know, and all that stuff. And uh, my, my best friend at the time in Panama City was the manager of the, uh, one of the TV stations. And so his name is Rob, and Rob called me one day and, and said, Roger, you never believe who I met last night. I go, well, yeah, yeah, Rob, who'd you meet last night? You know, sleepy little Panama City. He said, I met Bill Drake at a cocktail party, and I, I went quiet for him. I said, not the Bill Drake. Yeah, man, I met Bill Drake. And I said, well, I'm coming home next weekend, man. I want to meet him, too. Now, for those of you who don't know who this guy was, he had worked his way up. Started in a, he started in a little station in, in, down there in South Georgia. He ended up at, uh, in Atlanta. Atlanta is, a, is the worst AM radio market in the country. And the reason for that is when you get into AM radio, your signal's got to have a sky wave and a ground wave, and they connect, and that's how you hear it. And the problem with Atlanta is just to the east of Atlanta, you've got the largest outcrop of granite in the world called Stone Mountain. You know, it's where the big Confederate 
uh, guy drilled all the Confederate generals and Stonewall Jackson and Robert E. Lee and all those people into the side of the mountain. Even the liberals can't get rid of that <laughs> as much as they'd like to. Uh, so consequently, because of that granite there, they can't kick out a very good ground wave. Okay, because it just doesn't conduct through granite very well. So uh, Atlanta's a terrible AM market, and that's where he initially started. And he ended up at RKO, and then he ended up as the chain program director for RKO. And it was in that position. And I, Bill Drake has influenced every one of you lives, every well, virtually everybody in the world in one way, shape, or another. He's touched their lives. Bill Drake invented the top forty format. And uh, so here's this giant of a radio guy. I was kind of, I was outside, out of the business already. I was teaching at that point. But because he had lived in Atlanta and knew a lot of those characters around there and knew the market real well. And when he found out I'd been in the music industry and calling on stations in my background and I was in Atlanta and knew a bunch of some of those people he knew, he couldn't get enough of me. He was a real reclusive kind of guy. And, man, well, I'd go down there, and we'd just have a whole weekend. You know, I saw the sun come up many a morning over the Gulf of Mexico from his from his condo, I can promise you. So uh, it's just an interesting thing to have somebody of that significance that all of a sudden you've got his total attention, you know. And so that was one of the high points. I don't think about that too much. But anyway, old Bill Drake and and uh, what, what happened with the industry post that was, uh, was Newt Gingrich happened. <laughs> unfortunately and uh of course that was the same class that brent winters our buddy will be with us tomorrow ran for his political uh receipt on and that the, the gingrich revolution you know the contract uh for america which was really the contract on america and one of the first things he did is uh keep well he, he uh, uh kept the congress in session so they could pass uh one of the big trade laws i'm trying to think which one has just slipped my mind but the other thing he did was get this deregulation through where you could have Wall Street gurus come in and own uh, through all the limitations on ownership out the window. And uh, they people could own as many radio, TV, and AM, FM as they want. And it ruined the record business because used to you could go around all these little stations that had independent ownership and, and get people to try putting a record on there you know i uh, wasn't going right i didn't i didn't have all these fleetwood max and you know like the cbs and the warner brothers people did with this stable of of, of established hits and you're a delivery boy basically i had to go out with you know mercury and was uh, uh, owned and run by a bunch of 10-eared jews they wouldn't know a hit if it came up and bit them on the damn leg that's one of the things i was trying to talk to andy about when they were talking about dire straits the other day one of the main reasons i left mercury records is because they were owned by an english company called phonogram still around and uh they consequently would get first dibs on any of the acts that came over from england that were on the phonogram label because they were a sister label owned by the same people they passed on dire straits sultans of swing how 10 your ears have to be to pass and not hear that as a hit record i mean you know if you if you can't hear sultans of swing you don't belong in the record business you know sorry and uh i got so damn mad <laughs> i literally ended up leaving the label over it 
Uh, but anyway, just some of those uh, some of those old stories. And what Newt did was allow Wall Street to come in, and you know, with the Rothschilds and their gazillions to come in and buy all these stations. So now, instead of going out and talking to ten or fifteen radio station program directors that are independently owned or music directors. You go to one guy and hey, because he controls 150 plus stations and playlists, and that's why Bill Drake had become so powerful, was because in the early days of radio, uh, you know, FM was uh, kind of a wet dream. Uh, it, it was invented in the 40s. It's a much, much clearer signal, obviously, of carrying information. And and uh, But the problem with FM is it's lying a site. Where AM, you can sit at night. You know, shortwave is just a high-band AM. You could sit anywhere in the world and pick up AM radio or shortwave, you know. And it goes vast distances depending on the power and the situations. Uh, like if there's not granite underneath your city and stuff. But FM is strictly a line of sight signal. So that's why you see those towers up on top of the hall, all tall buildings because the taller they higher they can get the tower the better coverage they got okay and so the problem with it was in the early days through the 50s is the only place you could get an fm radio was to go like to heath kit and buy a kit and put it together yourself for the most part so there wasn't enough people listening and so therefore there weren't enough manufacturers building the radios and therefore there wasn't enough uh, original programming on there and the medium as superior as it was kind of sat there like a dead mackerel for a number of years and so the uh, this is one of the times when regulatory interaction really helped you know and um, so the FCC came in and they passed this rule in the early 60s called the split 50-50 split programming rule. Regulation. You know, we talk about regulations on here a lot, or at least occasionally. Um, and so what that said was if you're in a market of over, I think it's 100,000, maybe 200,000. It's been many years. It, over, it had a certain market size. As a minimum, and if you were in a market over that size, then you were an AM/FM. Because see, the AM radio station owners and people in the industry saw the potential for FM, and they wanted to nab the station and the and the frequency and the license while it was available. So they just go out and tag the FM and attach it to their AM, so it'd be WSB AM/FM, and then they'd simulcast whatever was going out on the AM over the FM because they wanted the signal, they wanted to get dibs on it and stay their ground there but they didn't have enough listeners to go in and put the money around it for original programming and so fm was going nowhere fast you know even though it's superior and so with this regulatory change what they did was they said if you're in a market over this size and uh, you've got to start providing original programming at least 12 hours a day a broadcast day Okay, well, that's a start. And so Bill Drake was in RKO at that point in time, and he's the one that saw this opportunity and started a, a little company called Drake Chenault, which was where they went out and provided recorded music for FM stations so they could fulfill the requirements of this regulation and have original programming. And he enlarged, you know, he had country and classical and did all kinds of different stuff, and he controlled so damn many radio stations that were FM and this superior quality around the country 
that back even then 50 60 years ago you could go to one guy and get the whole coverage on the whole country for your for your product your record you're pushing and that's why he had such impact and why he had record company presidents and i'm not kidding you here but literally bowing at the guy's feet okay and so roger you know stumbles across bill drake along the way and he's dead now unfortunately but heck of a guy and a heck of a situation and i don't even know why we got off on that this morning but it's pretty interesting background that most people aren't aware of and certainly don't have the insight and the personal connection that i had in those years with it so uh anyway that's enough of the radio stuff out of the way but pretty interesting you know uh really and uh as i said that's something you'd find a hard time finding and you know it's laid out in a book anywhere um so anybody got any questions or comments on that okay guess not um on top of the emails i got yesterday folks from andy and whatnot i got one from a guy i had a conversation with a few years back out of california his name's michael i'll save him from putting his last name out there and then he goes, Roger, I got my passport refused. <laughs> Not only that, I got my other one revoked. <laughs> and the State Department's contacted the Sheriff's Department of San Jose County, and they, 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 they got to charge me with five to $7,000 in fines, and he's got all this disjointed stuff. And I'm sitting here reading that email and going, whoa, well, I've been doing this 11 years and helping folks do this. Never have I had that happen, you know. So obviously, he got my attention. And so I wrote him back something and said, you know, are you pulling my leg? Uh, do you have back child support? Are you having over $50,000 in collections? The State Department doesn't work like that. They don't reach out all the way across the country and contact sheriff's departments. Uh, they would go through the Department of Justice and this, that, and the other. I said, can you please send me the letter? So he sent it the first time, and it was damn blurry. He just took it a picture with a JPEG on his camera, and I couldn't even read it. And so I wrote him back, said, I got bad eyesight. Please uh, send me something. Can you go get this scanned? Uh, evidently, he got closer to it and took a picture. And so sent it back, and I could barely read it. But I had a like a like a cage and i had a big curious on it at this point. So I fumbled through reading the first paragraphs. And, well... It wasn't exactly how the situation wasn't exactly how it had been portrayed to me. Um, this guy's pretty interesting. He's a Brit, and he got naturalized back around 2000. And he's a little bit of a wild child. He's followed some of these other quote unquote gurus. I submitted my birth certificate and got an account with thousands of dollars in it. You know that kind of stuff. And okay, well, good luck. And. uh so uh, anyway, and I said, send me your phone number, please. So as I want to know if there's anything the State Department's starting to rear their head up on this kind of crap, I want to know about it, you know, obviously. So anyway, I called him. We were on the phone way too long. <laughs> and and as I'm getting all the stories, all the sordid details on everything that led up to this, well, He's one of these guys that's following all these other crazy theories, and so uh, he's also a little bit of a wild child, I guess. So San Jose is in the Bay Area there across the Bay. It's where I think that's where a lot of Apple and a lot of the Silicon Valley is in around San Jose, I believe. That's correct. Is that right? Okay, good, Jeff. Thank you. And uh, lovely area, the Bay Area. It's too bad it's so damn full of wackos. Um, 
So um, anyway, I get on the phone with Michael, and I go, well, it says right here that they not only have refused your application, they're going to keep your money, too, by the way. They will send you back the expedited part. They'll send you the $30 back, but they ain't sending you the rest back. And they're not only refusing your application, they're, he, he had an existing passport, and they revoked it. Nothing like beating the redheaded stepchild, right? <laughs> How dare you? And so, uh, turns out, I said, well, hold it. It says right here that they've got two different regulations that they're invoking because you got past felonies and stuff that are still open. Now, what? You didn't tell me that. What's going on? Well, I had these little altercations. Evidently, he got caught. He got pulled over for DUI. And I don't know if he was belligerent or what. And he probably was, you know. He might have been drunk. I don't know. I didn't ask him. Anyway, they, he wouldn't get out of the car, so they ended up busting the windshield and getting in his car and yanking him out, in which he evidently was fighting him, and they handcuffed him, took him to jail, as you can imagine. All right? And uh, and so whatever it is, he got out of it, but he never went to trial. And he did some kind of these guru patriot things, and and evidently got out of jail. And but he never went to trial, and he never got this stuff settled. So subsequent to that DUI, there was two speeding tickets, and then there was another DUI, and he never went to trial on any of them. So I don't know how, and he started explaining. I said, Michael, I don't want to hear it. I just want to know. I want to find out why the State Department refused and revoked, okay? And now I know why. Because you, no matter what you think and no matter what any of these gurus told you or what even appeared, you obviously didn't get these things cleaned up because the State Department's picked them up, and that's their reason for refusing and revoking you, okay? So go back and get that crap cleaned up. And then I start getting all the details and all of this. And all. I said, look, I just don't want to hear it, you know. Hell, I was on the phone with him for 30, 40 minutes listening to that crap. I don't want to hear all that crap. I just want to know about the passport and the rejection. And it, obviously, the State Department, they're quoting regulations, title this, you know, section this CFR. Um, that they've, got, they've got legitimate regulations there. And because... And this may be the salient point here, honestly, because he had not gotten the affidavit in without a passport application. He was putting it in with a passport application, and they refused the application, so therefore the affidavit didn't get registered. So the first thing I told him is, get your little butt in gear and get you an affidavit written up with a cover letter and send it to the administrative records department and get that in your file. They can't stop you from being free. They can stop you if you got this garbage in your past you hadn't cleaned up and you do it with an application that they can reject. Because when they reject the application, they don't have to accept the affidavit, do they? It doesn't get processed. See? And so, anyway, that was a pretty interesting conversation. I think you'd agree. And uh, that's, you know, there's food for thought in there. Uh, we've had several uh, several of these, oh, your, your photos don't meet our specifications. We've had two of those. We've been talking about them. And so maybe it would be good policy, you know, uh, uh, national policy. <laughs> Let's call it that, national policy, to when you're submitting an affidavit with a passport application, just sit down and do another one and submit it to the administrative records department cold with a certified return receipt requested stamp and mail them both at the same time or you know if you're if you're mailing it
Uh, so that may be something that we start, you know, suggesting to people. Uh, these things are very rare. I, uh, there's only two times I've ever seen these things not accepted, and one is this one, and that's totally legitimate. And the other is Paget's mom, which we haven't heard any more about from Paget, which I consider to be not legitimate. Okay, uh, and I'm, I, I would love to work with her on that, but she hadn't reached out to me. I've offered my help, and if she wants to avail herself of it, I'd love to help her with that uh, because I think we could hold that little bastard's feet to the fire. The lesson we learned from Paget's situation is don't fly into this stuff half-baked and half-cocked. You know, I mean, still, you've got to learn the information a little bit, all right? I mean, your information and learning it is, A, where your freedom is. The freedom isn't in writing one sentence and submitting it to one guy. The, if you just do that and nothing else, nothing changes. Then we haven't accomplished anything. It's in learning the information and getting the information into your brain where you not only know what's happening, but you got the information in there to start the re-empowerment process. And it's through having the information that you can then spread it. If you don't understand it, how are you going to spread it? You know, if you pay somebody to do it for you and you don't ever cut another lick, how the hell? You know, that's just such a moot approach to this. And I had another conversation with a gal on that last night, okay? And and so, uh, anyway, that's the important part here is that we've got it real simplified. You can learn it a lot quicker than we used to, could, uh, ha, you know, have to present it. But it's still important that you input the information because that's where your freedom is. And your understanding of it is your freedom. And that's where the re-empowerment and you start getting refilled with God's laws that you're supposed to have at birth that were stolen from you. And now you've also got the information where you can help your own position position by helping to explain it to others and if you don't do that and you go pay some joker to do this for you none of that happens it might happen occasionally with a small percentage but i think any of you agree is probably a very small percentage okay so another conversation i had was this gal over and she brought up lauren over at rbn and this guy that she has on there regularly that she's used because quote she doesn't have the time you don't have the time to learn about freedom. Now, Lauren's exception. I know she's been around this a long time. And, and you know, she, she's thinking, I, I guess, thinking that she's probably doing the right thing. But see, in my mind, it's not the right thing. Because if you go out and pay somebody, he's got money. You you don't have it anymore. He's filed you a piece of paper. It, you're free, but you don't know what it is. Now, is anybody here, when you file this affidavit, did anything in your world change externally? When you went to the store, the same store you go to all regularly, did anything happen different? Oh, you look different. You're a national now. You must be free. That doesn't happen. The changes happen in you. And that's the reason you got to get the information in there. That's what catalyzes the changes. That's where the changes, if we're going to have any changes down the line and get this re-freedom message spread, that's where it's going to come from. Not paying some joker so he can live in the big house on the hill to submit one damn sentence to one guy for you. Because you don't have the time. Well, if you don't have the time for freedom, you shouldn't be here. Stay a slave. Any disagreement there? You guys are mighty quiet today. So those were a couple of conversations and threads I had last night I found particularly interesting, reinforcing, and uh, 
I don't know. Listen, this guy, Lawrence, got on. I don't even know what he does. I don't know how much he charges. I don't know what he sends to him. I don't know how much he knows. I don't know how much insight he's got. I don't know if he's teaching or just taking money. Maybe do any of you know? Can you, can you enlighten me a little bit on this? Hey, Roger. <clears throat> hey, Wayne. Yeah, hey, I had a conversation with Lauren a, a couple weeks ago, and I may have mentioned already where I was sort of shocked at what she has not done so far, or as much as she talks about being a national. And uh, she definitely has the attitude, and she's taken the, a very uh, you know, belligerent approach at coming across things as authorities. But again, like we've talked, she's not starting at the top and working her way down like your process does. And I was a little surprised, but I'm hoping that she catches on to some of the stuff you're doing so that uh, she could be even more effective, whether she's using the other fella or not. Well, listen, I got a lot of respect for Lauren. You know, I remember years ago when she's calling into John, uh, uh, Joyce's program all the time. I, when I was on there one day, she got in. Uh, you know, we don't usually have too much time left at the end of a program with my stuff, but we had a minute. She took calls. Lauren got through, and I remember her saying uh, that she had taken her two daughters down and gotten with an attorney and filed their affidavits. Well, that was how many years ago? A long time ago. You know, quite frankly. Uh, so I don't know, but uh, I hope she does, Wayne, uh, because this is the way we get strong. See, paying some guy to get to, to uh, as, a, as a business to maybe even uh, do very well in his business doesn't really help us out. It's just more of the money game to me. I may be wrong. I hope I am, but I don't think I am. Right, and I think I try to, on every RBN show I call, I try to bring your name up every time. Oh, thank so you, sir. Uh, oh, yeah, so whether they're aware of uh, you or not, they've got to be interested because, again, everybody's looking for remedy, but on some of these talk shows, uh, again, they're talking about everything but. Well, you know, I just got an, I've got such an advantage because the good Lord had me cross paths with John Benson, and I've got such a command of the legal underpinnings of this, and it's all built on legal and lawful stuff, you know, really. And if you don't understand those principles, you can't really grasp what's going on, I don't think, or at least you can't do it as adequately, okay? And so that's what I feel is our big advantage here, and the big advantage I have is that in, in the six months that they were actively teaching teaching somehow in the early days of my patriot life here uh the big guy had me cross paths with these two very very fine men with wonderful information and man have i benefited from it now it taken into into account is that i also my contribution is i was very interested and i was a real good student because i was a teacher at the time you know i guess teachers generally would tend to be good students i think okay uh, that accentuated it for me anyway, and this information I'd been, I'd known since I was a kid in, in my teens in, in the 60s that something was wrong. I just never could put my finger on it. And for the first time when I met John and Glenn and got into this, I had a thread I could chase. And I had a solid thread with a solid background. Now, I didn't understand hardly any of this legal and law stuff back then. I was just as green as a spring twig, okay? But I was a good student, and I really had the desire to learn, and I pursued it doggedly. All right. And it's paid off. Okay. It's paid off for all of us. Wayne, I don't know if you know this, but John and Glenn only had 1,200 students in six months. Okay. Have, wow. you, ever, have you heard me talk about that? 
A little bit, yeah, yeah. Okay, I remember well, the name Glenn Ambord, but yeah. I just never pieced it together with some of the stuff. You know, this is years and years ago. Right. Well, let, let me see if I can emphasize, because this is really important, man. It hit me one day like a sledgehammer. They had 1,200 students. I mentioned one of them yesterday, Don Rogers, senator, very renowned senator in California. Okay. Uh, Richard McDonald, Sir Richard McDonald. I don't know if you've heard us mention him. He was the guy in California that was a big state citizenship guy. Really, really cool guy, Richard McDonald. He's no longer with us either. But uh, out of the 1,200 students John and Glenn had, I was the only one that took it further after they got busted. Now, you put your arms around that. If it wouldn't have been for that fact, none of us would know any of this stuff right now. Because nobody else took it any further. Now, realize that John and Glenn were totally accentuated on taxes. And I've thought about this many times over the years. As I get on here and say I'm the most unlikely guy, and I don't know why this has happened to me, but some of these things like that little factoid right there shows you that there's been some guidance from somewhere on this. Because it sure wasn't my initiative necessarily, you know. I didn't get up one more. I'm going to go cross paths with these tax gurus this morning. I mean, it just didn't work that way, you know. But uh, it's just really significant to know that if that wouldn't have happened and I, I wouldn't have been touched and guided down this path, man, we'd still be going around thinking we're ship sailing on the land. You have all the ingredients. Pardon me? You have all the ingredients. You're a good teacher. And you, you have the love for the truth, and that's what it takes. Thank you. Who's this, who's this speaking? It's Dave from Fort Worth. Oh, hey, Dave. Oh, okay, didn't recognize you. I hadn't seen you in a while. Uh, you know, Dave, it's very interesting because I've pondered this stuff a lot internally, you know, over the years. And I can look back over my life and see how God has prepared me for this throughout my entire adult career. From when I started as a smacky mouth disc jockey and got the radio experience to getting into the music business and having all those experiences and getting a little worldly about me uh, to going along and stumbling into teaching, which I never thought I'd have, I never thought I'd be a teaching, you know, and the fact that literally I'd walk out of the Art Institute of Atlanta some days and go, I cannot believe they pay me to do this. I'd never found a job hardly that I enjoyed so much that they paid you for, okay? And have that experience to get into multi-level marketing. And, and because I w had been teaching and on the radio and had some poise, you know, most people's fear of public speaking is more the, more so than the fear of death, okay? And because I had, didn't have that limitation, anytime we had meetings and stuff, people always wanted me to speak. So there I got all the experience as a public speaker. And all of those things have led up to me being able to do this as effectively as we are right now. And I thank you for the compliment, Dave. Okay. And again, that's what I say. You can look back through John's experiences, through Glenn's life experiences, how they met, what came out of that, how I went in there and crossed paths with those guys. And all of us have had these spiritual, magnificent spiritual experiences that have happened along the way, you know, that show that this is a godly path. It's a godly mission. And, uh, uh, you know, there's some kind of divine intervention guiding this. All right. I mean, I've just seen I've seen it too many times to even doubt it. I don't talk about it a whole lot, but uh, but I, that's what I see. Okay, so I, I appreciate your comment, Dave. But, I had a question, for you, Roger. Oh, oh, yeah, please. Or, or really a comment. Uh, 
you know, I was listening to uh, when when Don called in the other. I think it was Don that called in. That was a good show on Castbox. Good show. Forgot what the date was. But. It was Monday. It was Monday with Don and Laura on there both. Two kind of new gals and just yeah. You know, yeah. those are great shows when we can go back over that awesome. information. You know, awesome. Well, there was a comment made that the Constitution doesn't give us our rights. It protects our God-given rights, which yeah. which is the first. And amendments or the bill of rights so i was i just found it very interesting it is interesting and you know and here that is absolutely in front of everybody i mean anybody can read the declaration of independence we're getting by our creator capital c creator with capital r rights and capital d duties and all this kind mm-hmm. of stuff and 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 so they go in well, where are my constitutional rights well you don't get constitutional rights you get god-given rights idiot it's right in front mm-hmm. of you See, these guys do this stuff, and they put the answers right in front of us, and we still can't see it. Yep. It's just like I told Andy on the show Tuesday. I said, here's this story out of England. The the child's born, they swab it, and the mother's objecting. The nurse says, he can't object. That's our property. I told Andy, I said, you got the, the origin of the matrix, and the remedy of the matrix is right there in that story, and you can't see it. You and anybody else can't see it. Jeff Rince mentioned that story two or three times. He, he even commented on it. He didn't see it. When I did Stat Miller's interview, I brought that up. Stat Miller said, oh, yeah, we covered that. Stat Miller didn't see it. They hide the stuff right in front of you. And the reason you can't see it is because you don't know Jack Doodley Squad about the feudal system, much less that's the only legal system in the history of the world where they assigned a political status due to where you're born. And so once you get that critical element in, well, hell, we might as well just bring the whole rest of the system in, shouldn't we? And you can't see it because you don't have that knowledge, and it's right in front of you. Amazing, isn't it? Very. And if you don't, like you said, if you don't have a love for the truth, it might be turned off. Fiddly dee, twiddly. What, what did Scarlet say? Twiddly dee, twiddly dumb. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. You got to have that, that truth seeking gene is the common denominator in all of us that are here listen, tuned into this message. It's the reason I got into it and have pursued it so doggedly. It's the reason all of you got touched somehow by it, and all of a sudden you magically end up. You may be listening to an archive. You may be listening on Eurofolk. You may be here on this full board we've got today. Uh, and I'm glad you're here, and as I told you so often, I love each and every one of you. And you, at your position of learning, you and your involvement in this, you can't understand that statement to the fullest, Okay. But you go out and start talking to folks, and you'll understand it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. You okay. see where your weaknesses are when you start teaching it. Well, that's why they say in teaching there's, a, a, there's an old saying, if you want to learn something, teach it. And that's the reason is because when you're trying to get your points across to other people, you see where your weaknesses are, and you don't want to look like a fool, so you go back and study it and fill in the blanks. That's why I encourage y'all to teach this. You want to learn it? Teach it. We've got it down where it's pretty simple now. Hey, you remember the Jim Crow laws? No. 
Well, look, you can look them up real easy. You know, it's back when there was white facilities and black facilities. Uh, same restaurant, same restrooms, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You remember that? Oh, yeah, I've heard about that. Well, they, uh, they tricked us all into volunteering into the black facilities. I mean, honest to God, how complex is that? It's not very complex. Pretty much anybody can understand it. Of course, it's much deeper, much more complex than that. But in less than a minute, you've given them the gist of what's happened and what's happening. So, anyway, um, does anybody have any questions or comments? I mean, I've kind of commandeered the first 45 minutes here on my extemporary uh, uh, monologue. But those kind of things, man, that history of FM radio... You won't find that too many places, especially with people involved like Bill Drake, uh, who is a really neat guy. You know, here I am in Panama City, my hometown, and we go out and get in his limousine, probably the only limousine in Bay County, (laughs) and go driving around to bars and stuff, (laughs) playing the high life back then. Anyway, pretty interesting time. Somebody was about to say something just then. Well, I can if nobody else wants to jump in. Hey, Mr. Mike, you can always say something, can't you? Well, I do always, most of the time, have an opinion about most everything. (laughs) But anyway, my comment is, since uh, it's kind of nobody wants to comment too much, or as soon as I run my mouth, I'll give you a reason to jump in and tell me I'm a donkey, which is, uh, I already agree with that. But bottom line, I have uh, made lots of comments on YouTube when I sit through stuff or read stuff. And uh, I always uh, type in capital letters. So my first entertainment was when when I did that was I immediately uh, got all kinds of responses telling me that, hey, you're shouting. Shouting. And you're making noise. And, of course, I enjoyed coming back and saying, I'm listening very close, but I haven't heard the letter A make a sound yet. So. <laughs> That's pretty good, Mike. Good comeback. So I kept on doing that. I was using my real name also in caps, and I finally thought, well, I keep getting all these people don't seem to understand that they are programmed that that's bs to tell me my letters make noise i don't buy into that and of course i'd say something similar to that also and finally i ended up saying hey i think they need a message from balaam's donkey so here i am balaam's donkey in all caps and that's my short story okay well let me ask you a question these people that are so vociferously uh commenting on your all caps why don't they take their driver's license or some of these documents back to these government agencies and say, quit shouting at me on my own documents? Well, that's good. And I've said something similar or, or, or talk to people, and I say, look at your driver's license. <laughs> They're shouting at you. <laughs> yeah. I'd never put that together. That's pretty good, Mike. <laughs> ah, too funny. Hello, Roger. This yes. Craig. Hey, Craig. Hey, I got your emails. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. I hope, um, or I should ask you, do you have someone that I could send some of the eye well, drops to? Well, I, I will. You I too? will. I will here in another month or two. So just bear with me. We okay. don't, no, you know, I don't have, I have it since they've changed since this COVID thing. And since, especially when they put this mandate on anybody coming into Ecuador has got to get the jab. Mm. 
our frequent flyers have kind of ceased at this point. Uh, poor Jack, you know, Jack uh, makes a living out of helping people move in and out of Ecuador and helping them and all that stuff. And he had five cancellations of people that were coming down here since they passed that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so, but we've got a guy that's here that's going back to Georgia for a month and coming back and he be the guy he's going up on at the end of January and coming back at the end of February. So he's probably the guy. If anything okay. comes up before that, I've got your message to the start, and I'll get a hold of you. All right. I, I had a few comments and then a few questions. All right. And they're maybe from they're mainly from yesterday's show. Um, All right. Just going to say at 4 a.m., the CIA puts out talking points to uh, all the TV stations. And so that's why you hear the same stuff on every station all day long, pretty right. much. Project Mockingbird. Right, and I was going to tell you if uh, you talk to Thumper again, I'm Zoltan Vaz. Um, okay. Also, K2 is in Gouda cheese, so if you're taking your vitamin D and eat Gouda cheese, I guess you don't I, need to take K2. I do know that that's, a, it's, I think that's the only cheese that it's in is Huda. Uh, now, here's for my questions. Um, being a veteran, uh, when you sign up, the contract says that you can be recalled for the rest of your life in, na in a national emergency. So I'm interested in what our new status might or the national status might have effect on that. Let me tell you a story. Then, I got a story could on I, that. Could I yeah, ask yeah, you get a couple the, more okay, questions? Well, okay, let's get them all in, and uh, maybe I okay. can remember them. <laughs> Um, my next one was, when you're traveling overseas, wouldn't you be treated the same way you are here when you show them your passport, you know, if you have the national? They don't, they don't know any differentiation. Okay. That's my experience, I, honestly. Got it. That's, that makes sense. And then when I was talking to you last week, um, when my mouth is running, my brain doesn't work that well. And you were <laughs> saying that uh, I do have a current passport. And so you're saying that I wouldn't need a picture. I just need to mail that in with my affidavit. No, and, no, no, uh, no, 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 no. You're gonna if you're gonna do another submission for passport, you got to go through all the requirements on their renewal, even though you've got one open. Okay. Now, if you've got one open, or if it's recently, I don't know what they term as recent within the last 15 years i guess if you've had one that's expired they want you to send that in too and they would do what they do at least that's what they've done with mine in the past i haven't gone through this a lot of times they three hole punch it or identify it somehow that it's expired because you can still use an expired passport for id you just can't travel and stuff on it Okay. Now, what you'll do if you've got one that's operable within its 10-year time frame, lifetime, you will go ahead. You can renew it any time. Okay. So they'll send you, my experience is, they'll send you, they require you to send the one, especially that's open, that's active, in with your application for renewal. And they'll send that one back to you almost in return mail. Okay. While they process your new one and however long it takes to process it, then they'll get you your card or booklet or whatever you've ordered. Um, but uh, the, the subsequent renewal, well, now you've got two political statuses open. You know, if you travel on your old one because it was issued under that legal personality, your new one doesn't change the legal personality on the first one. 
It'll be changed on the second one, and it'll be changed and updated in their records. But it won't affect that first one, and it'll go ahead and expire as, as your slave status. Okay? And then the new stuff will kick in, although it'll be active. But that's the way I understand it. I don't have any line into the State Department. Okay. My my Kind of my question was I thought probably I'd have to get another picture taken at the post office, and that's why I wanted to go to I my would, post office. I would definitely, and I'm going to encourage everybody from now on because of those two situations, that if you can, and I, I know everybody can't, and I'm sure every post office doesn't have that service available but if you live in an area where they've got one i'd suggest you go and get it taken at the post office because they're an administrating agent for passports and that's got to carry some weight at the state department in other words you can't go back to their agent and say hey you stupid agent you took this picture wrong it doesn't meet their specifications so yeah does that answer you craig yes and that's as the my current um, male um, service guy. He's yeah. a very good guy, and he's done two of my passports in the past, and I've had no problems. So okay, th- that's why I'm so confident in wanting to go back there. Okay, sounds like well, I you might should. when you're there and you're talking to him, ask him if he's seen any other people submitting an application with uh, paperwork attached. Will do. Okay, Mike Thank was. You. You're welcome. Thank you very much, Mike. Uh, was that you trying to you you belligerent donkey? Were you trying to get in a minute ago? Oh, it's quite correct. Very bad manners. I didn't time it right. <laughs> okay, well you're you're in and now. Come on. Okay, well I have have to jog my memory. But the question <laughs> is, I'm talking about the post office. Yes, sir. The question I'm going to ask them, I'm the one that's big enough to do the passport is uh, located about 20 miles away. I'm going to call them up and ask them if they have a notary also. Uh, on staff there they're fairly big i doubt i've never seen a post office with a notary but we have a retired postal employee right here on the board that i often call on in these types of situations because of his expertise jeff front and center see there just like a postal employee he's not there when you need him well uh, what it was out of entertainment, I was going to ask for it, and then I was going to make an extra form for the person doing the photo and the oath for a notarized signature from them. Okay. Well, I don't think. Oh, there he is. Okay, he must have been off getting a radiator <laughs> job done or something. Uh, Jeff, is it your experience that postal post offices have a notary? No, it's not my experience. I take care of that at the bank, credit union. Yep. That's a, almost all banks have a notary, Mike. Now, oh, I quite agree. I just was wanting the extra one. I'm going to go to the local bank and take care of that, but I was just going to be entertained to see if they had one at the post office and, and request another uh, witness. Okay. Well, now, this is another interesting thing. We've mentioned it a couple of times. This came up in the conversations I was having last night, actually. Uh, you can substitute for a notary with two witnesses. Now, I, I think I don't know exactly how much information they've got to put down. You know, you could put two, two spaces of those lines and then witness one and witness two and just have their signature. I don't know what other information is required. I've never looked into that. There may not be any information required. Like you have to go get a, an ink pad at the office supply store so they can get an ink 
ink roll their finger like you're doing if you're getting booked, you know, uh, for your fingerprints and stuff. Um, so uh, uh, anyway, I'm not sure, again, what the requirements are. They may be very minimal, but I do know that two witnesses substitutes for a notary. Oh, we, we agree. We've read that also. I was just out of entertainment. Thank God. Oh, that would be neat. <laughs> Yeah, well, people get in here and they like to really press the envelope on things like that, and that's okay. That's okay. Roger? Oh, yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. Wayne? Oh, two or three people. Wayne, I'm going to get you first. Whoever the other guy was, I'll get you in a second. Don't go away. Wayne? Yeah, for Mike's sake, I was just going to tell him that I live a little south of uh, where he is, and uh, I use the post office in Blue Ridge, Texas. They are set up to do uh, passports. And uh, when I was in there, there were several people going to South America, Mexico, whatever. So it's uh, a small office, but they're very knowledgeable. Cool. Yeah, how close is Blue Ridge to you, Mike? Oh, it's probably 25 to 30 to the southeast. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now, hey, I can Roger. go there if uh, I have any kind of problems. Well, it would be fun to go over there and say, I know Wayne and uh, blah, blah, blah. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, what well, they know, Wayne, too, is pictures up in the post office over there. <laughs> hey, that place has a cute little restaurant, too, where it's an old-timey restaurant, and there's a woman that walks around just like that old movie, and I swear to God, I was re ready for her to say, what don't you want with that? You know, <laughs> with that one movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too cute. Hey, uh, I, had a, I did have a, a technical question. Yes, sir. Question, Roger? Yes, sir. Okay, I'm getting ready to file my, uh, my notice to, with the Texas Attorney General, and I came across a site uh, by the, it's, it's uh, Title 8, let's see, Title 8, Section 1502, entitled Certificate of Nationality Issued by Secretary of State for a Person Not Naturalized, a not Naturalized Citizen of the United States for Use in Proceedings of a Foreign State. I know there's a lot of landmines in those words there. Oh yeah. But I, I think it might be a phrase worth including, as long as I can explain to them, you know, how to interpret the certain words in there. Go, go. I, I, I don't, don't throw. To keep everything simple, my suggestion. But go over that verbiage out of Title Eight. Title Eight is immigration naturalization, because that's where uh, all the stuff on American Samoa is covered. Is Title Eight. Now that I think about it, okay. And Title Eight is in there where it states a national. Okay, it doesn't say non-citizen national. Not in Title Eight. It says a national. Is someone born in American Samoa? Swains Island, very idyllic little place. You should go look up Swains Island on the internet. You'd love to live there. You'd be with 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 what was it Gill, Gull, Gilligan? You'd be with Gilligan over there. Right? So, uh, American Samoa, Swains Island, or the outlying territories. Where are the, Texas? Yes, Texas, Oklahoma, Idaho, Washington. I, these bastards are so slick, man. It's hard to believe there's somebody this devious, this detrimental to you, that has gone to these lengths to do what these bastards have done with these words and phrases. Well, they've done a good job because I certainly got a lot of income tax. Ooh, boy, have they done a good job. 
see, it's just if I wouldn't have, if I'd have never crossed paths with John and Glenn, we'd never know this stuff. Still, it does just a handful of us now. Hopefully, that'll change. But that is in Title Eight too. Read that here. It said for someone who's not naturalized, but they've got they can get this certificate. That's the certificate of non-citizen nationality that's on the State Department website. They're saying they don't issue those anymore. They want you to go get a passport. And inside the American Samoan passport, right there on the visa pages where you get your visa stamps, there's a big stamp that says this person is not a citizen of the United States because I had somebody sent me a picture of one. When I was in Argentina, and the one time that I ever got to present this information to an employee of the federal government was I went up, I was getting my, my passport, trying to get it renewed, and didn't have the birth certificate, so I, I. But I went up instead of going to Buenos Aires, six hundred miles each way, and the expense and all that. They were coming to my area, and it was one hundred and fifty miles up the road in Mendoza City. So I made an appointment with them, and we went up there, and they rent an office and take care of any embassy business of people in the area. And uh, so the, the cute little gal, half she's half Oriental of some uh, nationality, very cute. And I remember she had a real striking red dress on, and her assistant, Argentine assistant, because they hire local people in the embassies, uh, was with her. And I got to sit down at that table across from her and hand her that affidavit and explain it to her. And she looked at me when I was finished. I'll never forget her words. And she said, well, Roger, we've dealt with other U.S. nationals, but we've never dealt with one like this. That's exactly what she said. And I said, well, why don't you take that affidavit back down to the legal department and let them, let them go over it. And 10 days later, I got my passport with no other communication on it. But uh, that was a very enlightening statement there from her because it told me a lot, you know. And I got to educate one of the gals that's in charge of the passport office for the embassy. Or at least plant some seeds. So that's why that language there, and they say someone who's not naturalized, well, they wouldn't have any any accessibility to get documents like that unless they're American <laughs> Samoans, okay? If they're naturalized, they must go through something different, but it specifically says who are not naturalized. And now if you go to that Certificate of Non-Citizen Nationality on travel.state.gov, it tells you, well, we used to issue these things, but... You know, Wayne, the cost of paper and ink has gotten so absorbent, and we use such exotic ink on this that we just want you to pay a hundred and something dollars and get a passport. Yep. Got to save that money for the illegal aliens. Yeah, on your cover letter, I would keep that very simple. You don't need to explain anything to them. Let them figure it out. You're giving them the facts. Okay. Okay. And you get uh, enclosed, please, Attorney General, you're such a sweet guy. Please find the enclosed citizenship evidence. I'd put that in some sort of italics or quote, uh, and I suggest you use that exact phrase because that's what the State Department uses. Okay? Please find the enclosed citizenship evidence now currently on file with the Secretary of State of the United States of America. Please adjust your records and your actions accordingly. That's all you need to say. Very good. Okay? 
Thank you, Roger. Yeah, and then copy at the bottom all the folks you're going to send it to. And at the top of that cover letter in big, bold letters, notice to the principal is notice to the agent. Notice to the agent is notice to the principal. You got everybody copied. You got everybody noticed and served. You're golden. Got it. Okay. Now, somebody else was trying to say something a minute ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's Dougie Poo. It's Dougie Poo. Hey, Doug. <laughs> yeah. Trying not to poo in my pants. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, uh, I ought to make a requirement for you that you have your Razorback <laughs> hog hat on when you talk to us. Yeah, well, I finally, uh, you know, I was watching the news channel uh, early in the morning. It's really hard for me to take. I mean, it's like I can take five minutes of it. <laughs> but uh, even yeah. the weather guy. They got a game. They got a big game coming up. What tonight or tomorrow? Tonight, maybe. I think it's Sunday. Is it? No, 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 no. There's no college games on Sunday. It interferes with the pros. Well, it's New Year's Eve, maybe. Okay, well that's tomorrow. That's tomorrow then. Tomorrow night. And I, if I remember right, yeah. Arkansas hadn't been in a major bowl game since Old Blue was a pup. Well, I, anyway, I learned it. It's whoop pig suey. I mean, uh, <laughs> this is the first and last time I'll ever say that. But anyway, and you're not going to see me with one of those pig hats on either. <laughs> well, we don't use cameras here, Doug, so you can just humor us. <laughs> well, if I had one, I would turn my camera off. <laughs> It's an aversion to me. Okay, all right. Well, we, we can accept that. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, yeah, I was uh, speaking about red. I mean, you mentioned the lady in the red dress, and this. Yeah. My mind went to the Matrix. She was a cute. And, uh, she was a cute little thing too. I gotta admit. Well, you are an alpha, alpha, alpha bull type of guy in in your own. Uh, category there so you know maybe the the you're a matador uh in a sense could have been could have been but those those people they find they seem to find me very antagonistic for some reason i can't figure out why go ahead well power hates truth uh you know so but anyway uh i wanted to comment about your show with andy Oh, okay. And give you a compliment. Oh, man. Uh, flattery, flattery. Charge my battery. Send my, <laughs> my check. Uh, here's the thing that really is, it's kind of the way I look at it. You know, when you listen to, like, the greatest, say, uh, violinist okay, of the day, and he's amazing. Is that that, is that that guy Perlman? Yitzhak Perlman, is that his name? Whatever. I I one, no one, of those, one of those Jew names. He, and listen, <laughs> that, guy right, that guy right there is phenomenal. Okay? I mean, I really like, I love violin, that, that kind of violin playing myself personally. And he's a maestro for sure. Go ahead. Well, I occasionally listen to... Um, uh, classical type music, not very often, but I do, and and it is a, uh, it, I don't know, it's soothing to all your nerves. Uh, you know, if you play, if you're song. a if you're a woman that's pregnant and you play classical music for your embryo as it's developing, it'll have a higher IQ, and you you can increase IQ points playing classical music to them. I've heard that. 
So, but anyway, you have, you know, and I, I do believe it's a, it's a calling. You know, as the scripture says, uh, many are chosen, but fewer are, I mean, excuse me, many are called, but fewer chosen. And the way you have continued to hone down the message, when I, like I told you, you know, I listened to the show twice, and it was... The one with Andy? From, yeah. Really? And yeah, I listened to it, because he, he puts it, he, re, he pre-records his shows. Yes. So I'm usually up sometimes three. I mean, this morning I was up at four. So I have a lot of time to do different things. And so I listened to it the first time. And then I listened to it as it was uh, broadcast. I see. And so uh, when you appreciate the expertise of a great violinist or whatever the um, instrumentalist is, it's it's it, it is uh, it's an experience. It's like, oh, I want to hear that again. And instant replay. <laughs> well, anyway, you know what I enjoy in the same category and appreciation is how you have honed this down. I mean, an hour, I was like getting anxious because I was, <laughs> well, I just, I just was because I'm like, you know, the music that is uh, written and created, it has crescendos, it has valleys, um, as a musician and yeah, a writer yeah, yeah. and a songwriter, I understand this stuff, and and I also feel it. Right. So I understand the how it affects your body and the, your mind. The tempo, if you will. Well, tempo is more like you know, allegre, fortissimo, all those kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. Anyway, uh, but. What I'm saying here is you've been chosen to deliver this I, message, I, and it just gets more and more concise. And so in that one-hour show, it wasn't finished, but it was it's so concise. Now, you know, many of us have been listening to this for many years. And, but, and as the... Um, you know the the uh, what's the term for the the maestro uh, violinist? Is it like virtuoso, something like that? A virtuoso, well, virtuoso. I think well, you have that you're looking for in that sense. Okay, and you just get better and better at doing this. Well, drill, drill, practice, drill, practice, rehearse, man. It's the only way you get better at anything. And uh, I recognized some time ago, you know, for years. I tried to hand this off to other people, okay? I mean, I'm, I'm being very honest with you. I tried to give it off to other people. Well, first of all, they couldn't even understand it. Second of all, they damn sure weren't going to embark down this path, you know? And so at some point, I don't remember when it was, it's like you got that seminal moment. You know, you go, well, okay, big guy, I guess you want me to do it. And here we are. Well, now, what well, I've been uh, understanding... Yeah, 
understanding the complexity of it. Because I had to go through understanding this just like a lot of you guys are, you know. And I know it's not easy because they got your mind twisted backwards. But in going through this, it became more and more critical for me to have any kind of a goal-setting uh, uh, endeavor that I thought maybe we could achieve it is it's got to be simple. It's got to be simple where you can present it to people and they can uptake it enough to where they get the basics and they're curious and they see it and they want to follow through. And what we didn't have up until recently, thank you, Satanists, that we didn't have a, we a willing audience looking for answers. We had a lot of people that were complacent back in the old system that hadn't crashed yet, and they still hadn't got their ox gored, and they had their bills paid, and for the most part, the wife was appeased, and the kids were not getting into trouble and doing all right, and I could drink a six-pack of beer and watch football on the weekends on the couch, okay? Maybe mow the lawn and stuff. Well, those times have changed. Okay, and you got a lot of people. That's what I, I can see it better in in the rearview mirror of why the good Lord hadn't opened the door yet. Because first of all, they weren't ready, and second of all, I wasn't ready. I didn't have that honed down to a point where I can say, you know, about the Jim Crow laws. Well, that's what they've done. You're Jim Crow. Okay, I didn't have that back then and so i can see you know what what's the verse doug you're the lot more of a bible expert than i am all things work together for good okay. for them that love yahweh okay well that, creator, that, that i think you know, i think that's what's happening yeah. here i think that's what's happening here and i'm very excited about the upcoming year we're about to turn the corner on here in, the, in two days and uh, the opportunities that i think we're going to have and i've said for a while some of you've been around for a while remember there'll be a time and it may be this year when you can't get on this jitsi board well, help me out here. There is a saying, uh, I know it's been repeated many times, but I can just hold so much in my head in a day. Uh, it's something like, when the teacher appears... Uh, it's when the, student, know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yeah. And so, I have something related to that, but uh, there's also another, uh, whatever, somebody said, you know, some, some guy traveled to New York, and he wanted to go see a concert at uh, Carnegie Hall. And he met this guy that was like maybe one of the artists of Carnegie Hall. And he says, how do I get to Carnegie Hall? And the guy answered, practice, practice, practice. practice. practice right. I've heard that before. Drill, practice, rehearse. Um, I was going to. Let me just finish. Okay, this, uh, okay. Go ahead. Because yeah, I was going to. I flashed on some. Well, I flashed on something I meant to tell Craig a minute ago. So go ahead. Well, don't forget it. Go ahead and say it. No, no, because it's a story. It's a story. Let's get yours okay. out of the way. I'm, well, de I'm deferring to the guest here. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it is written in Scripture, those that have eyes to see will see, and those that have ears to hear will hear. So no matter how well you have perfected your explanation some will see it and some won't oh and, that happens every day and and the last thing here i said i think i said the last thing was going to be the last thing but the messiah himself he was well he's the messiah and he was able to convey thoughts and principles 
etc. in the least amount of words that could be spoken. You know, Doug, that's a very important point, and there's a parallel there, because it's almost like this truth that we all crave and want to learn and, and act on, when you present to those people that don't have eyes to see and ears to hear, it's almost like you're talking in parables to them, isn't it? Okay, big deal. There's two statuses. So what? How's that affect me? Okay, see you later. Okay. Well, the chosen ones are uh, chosen uh, to understand. That's exactly. See, oh, two. Well, I want to. I would too. I want to find out what they are, and you come to listen to this for hours, see, to find out because you got the curiosity, truth-seeking gene there. And there's and there's some parallels there. There's some parallels there. Really are. And it's a you know personally speaking, it's a privilege, an honor. Uh, I know that grace is involved from our Father. I know that mercy is involved. Uh, forgiveness is involved. For, and I'm speaking personally here, to understand some of these things. And and the pr the problem is, is I guess in a sense, if I knew that I knew all of it which our Messiah did, if I knew that I knew all of it, then I would probably stop listening because I'm there. I've arrived. But that's not the case. So even like your show with Andy, it's like, oh, Roger, keep going. You know, it's like, <laughs> man, I, I wish you had another hour. Well, I, there, were, there were some other people that wished that too, evidently, because I got emails from them. And the, the common overriding comment was, Wow, did that hour go by fast. Fascinating information. I had two or three people say that, all unconnected with each other, to my knowledge. So, anyway, well, we're, you know, we're picking away. We got the axe, and we're picking away at the wall there, and we get a chunk out of it every now and then, Doug, and I certainly appreciate it. Well, we're also building something. Well, we're we are. Just, oh, we're yeah. cutting down the evil tree root, but we're building the true uh, again uh, again yeah. and that's why it's important for people to not go paying somebody to do this for them because when you pay somebody you don't do the work that's going to help all of us by you know what we want to do is effectively maybe make a change of some percentage in this old world and you can't do it I, you can't do it by paying somebody to do it for you yeah mike go ahead uh, so i'll just chime in and uh, be a second harmonic to doug there saying i've only been coming on two to three weeks and what i you know certainly noticed the last few days yes the two hours are going by when i look up at the, the computer and it says oh almost to the end yeah it's amazing to me some some days aren't like that now some of them you got to struggle you know i'm begging y'all to have discourse with me and nobody wants to say anything okay roger do your monologue you know uh but other days when we have these kind of shows or like david was saying earlier about monday's show with don and laura uh just man that thing flies by and you get so much enjoyment out of it and here a bunch of you guys i got ben on here if ben's with us today and lisa here's two people that have been following these shows for 10 years they've heard all this stuff okay and they're still here and the reason is but doug you hit it a second ago hell man i'm still learning i realize things that i didn't understand or connect before so i know you guys are still learning 
Okay, And as you learn, even though you've heard something, no telling how many times previously, it's you that's changed and gotten into a position where where you hear it again, you find something in there you didn't connect before. That's why you're still here. But I have a rule of thumb that says I want to know something today when I wake up that I didn't know yesterday. Well, that's good, man. If you're if you're if you're not learning, you're atrophy, and if you're atrophy, you might as well be dead. You know, quite frankly. Well, uh, it's boring if you don't find out yeah, new stuff. It sure is, uh, Craig. I wanted to go back and address your question as a retired military guy. I know it just meant to me. I meant to mention at the time, and we got off in another direction. I'm going to tell you a story that John Benson used to tell us. Uh, in those seminars, and I remember it just because it startled me. Um, and it was some friend. He remember he was born and raised devout Mormon out in the uh, Salt Lake City area, and he had a friend there that was uh, drafted, and so he'd been up, stayed up all night before a party, and I don't I don't know what the circumstances were, but I know that John, in telling this story, said that he he hadn't slept the night before, or not very much. And so he gets on a bus and he goes down to the where they, you know, would do the uh, what do they call them? It's not an indoctrination, but they induct you, you know. And so it was in some high school gym or something, and the drill sergeant gets everybody says, "All right, get up against the wall." And so everybody's lined up against the wall there on the wall, and the 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 sergeant says, "Okay, everybody that wants to volunteer, step forward." Well, he'd fallen asleep on the wall. He was so sleepy, and he didn't step forward. He didn't volunteer. And so everybody else got sent to Fort Ord, and they grabbed his ass and put him on the bus and sent him home. Okay? And so then he got notified again. I guess this is during Vietnam. And then he got notified again, and this time he didn't stay up all night before, and he got against the wall, and they said step forward, and he stepped forward, and he ended up in Fort Ord too. But the first time he didn't step forward, and they sent him back home. Everything's got to be voluntary. Hmm. Interesting, huh? Uh, well, it's the same contract, and you agree to it, so I don't know if – I don't know what the ramifications would be. I, I don't either, I would think. Uh, and, you know, you want to press the envelope on this a little bit? Why don't you write to the DOD and pose that question to them? Look, in our original contract, it says you can recall it. I've become aware of the fraud put upon the American people. I've changed my status over to a national. Does that still apply to me? You know, see, the way that we find out questions to these kind of answer, answers to these questions is by pressing the envelope just like that right there. And you come back on the show and go, look, I got a response from DOD, and they said, no, you're not required anymore. Got it. Roger, that's the key to the matrix. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but knowing your status, knowing your choice, yeah. knowing who well, yeah. it is the, well one the of them you're one of them you're in the free. yeah one of them you're in the matrix and the other you're not so yeah i guess it is the crux of the matter isn't it and everything is the, uh if you want to be free it, the truth makes you free <laughs> and i was thinking about this earlier roger it this isn't just about political status oh no 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 it, it covers everything this the just truth a, if we can find the truth about a subject you, you know what know it, it makes your mind free because you're not deceived you're not believing a lie these this dialectic stuff it continues to intrigue me 
And I find myself drifting off and thinking about it quite a bit, actually. And uh, the one thing, I always go back to this, and you notice I started, i just about gotten where I start any conversation that I'm having with somebody on this, this way. And so, look, let's get some common agreement before we start. Oh, okay. You know, anybody's going to say right. No, I don't want any agreement. Well, they're here to learn, you know. Well, let's get some common agreement on these points. There's only two political statuses. You're either free or you're a slave. And even Andy had to, you know, well, is he trying to trick me here? Oh, okay. No, I, uh, so there's dialectic within the dialectic. And the dialectic within the dialectic there is the fact that if you're going to be free, you've got to be 100% free on one side. And if you're a slave, they can somebody can have a property right in point oh 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 one percent of you, and you're their slave. So one is a total, and the other is a total in the opposite direction. Now, isn't that interesting? Well, one of the things you related to, Andrew, was the verse from, uh, I think it's James, James 1.8. 8, yes. Yeah, a double-minded man, and you explained that. Okay? Well, and, and it's important. It's important, and I'm going to tell you why. I've found it to be important. That's why I emphasize it, especially in, in, in conversations like the one with Andy where he's an Englishman. Because I find that if people, that's one of the greatest tools we've got is understanding how they've done it. Because if we understand how they've done it and their requirements to setting this up, we know that they always set everything in a 180-degree opposite direction. So, therefore, if we've ever got a question, all we got to do is reverse that and look 180 degrees in the opposite direction, and our answer's there every time. And by knowing that and knowing what they've done, now you can separate between your subconscious and your conscious not being connected and working in tandem and put them back working in tandem. And what did Dr. Bruce Lipton say? When your subconscious and your conscious are working together, it is empowering. This is the empowerment process, and that's the key to it. Well, I've said to various people over many years now that I'm a bridge builder so when and I've, I've spoken with I won't necessarily say they're pagans but their belief system is pagan that's what they believe in and all kinds of other people even though they wouldn't know it if you said are you a pagan they'd say no they don't understand it's the system no. of their beliefs you're right I agree with you and but what I do is I try to find common ground with yeah. these people. Yeah, I'm always mean. wanting to bring people into the light knowledge of the Heavenly Father and His Scriptures. But I can't do that unless you find I common ground. Yeah. So I so I call myself a bridge builder. Well, that's that why aspect. I start those conversations with that scenario because i want us to agree on something that as we go forward and it gets confusing i can always take them back so well remember we agreed on this there's only i had one of these gals contact me last night and she said well am i an american national or am i a state citizen national i said well you're both because they're the same thing oh 
I said, why do you think our community of legal researchers has been so damn buffaloed for the whole 30 years? Catch that phone, somebody. Why do you think our whole research community has been so damn buffaloed for 30 years? Because all they do is take these two simple concepts and label them different. And they got five or ten different labels for the same thing. And our people are chasing labels. They're not chasing concepts. And they don't understand there's only two. They think there's ten because they all got a different label. Well, you remember last week when I asked uh, Brent to give us a uh, definition of Ballywick? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, he he's he's such a colloquial type of guy. I mean, he gave just the most succinct, expansive thing of that. So I'm so tomorrow I might call in and say, "What does it mean to be buffaloed, Brent?" Because <laughs> to me, the image that comes in my mind is. Uh, fish in a, a bow, shooting fish in a bow. I don't know. But well, I tell you what, I, I remember when we were when I when we'd go skiing at Jackson Hole up there, we'd take a day off during our trip and go up to Yellowstone and go rent snowmobiles and go into the Old Faithful and all that. The middle of Yellowstone in the middle of winter, really great memories. Okay, but I remember going along and you're freezing your butt off because not only is it cold, but you're doing twenty miles an hour on a snowmobile. You know. And we'd have to stop and let a whole herd of buffaloes cross the road. That was being buffaloed. Okay, very cool, very cool memories, man. So uh, thank you, Doug. Does anybody else have about the last thirty minutes of the program here? We've been kind of kicking the can around a bit on some different issues today. Does anybody have something of substance to bring forward that we could help you with? Roger, this is John in Connecticut. Hey, John. How you doing? Pretty good today. Better than that's yesterday, good. I'd say. That's, that's good. Yeah, I was going to ask you um, about other ways of getting your status changed. I mean, I, I totally support the passport idea because we need ID. But are there faster ways besides waiting to three months for the passport? Well, there may, I, there, yeah, there's faster ways, but you might not have the advantages that that approach has. Okay, And the advantage of doing it with a passport is that you've got a government, the highest form of government ID. Isn't a passport about the highest form of government-issued ID? And it's linked to your new status, and it's linked in their database. And I don't know of another way of doing it where you can accomplish that. Or have you not got yours back yet? No, no, not yet. Have um, you gone on the State Department and checked its progress? No, no, I didn't do that. Okay, well, now you can do that, okay? okay. Go there, and I'm, I think the address, I believe Dell up there, one of our Boston guys sent it to me one time, but I can't keep up with all that stuff. It's probably, and I believe he found it on the travel.state.gov website, and you could go to the oh. search engine and put tracking my passport application. And see if it doesn't come up. It probably will. The other way mm -hmm. is you can call the State Department's 800 number, and if they answer, they'll give you the. But there's a website or, that you can go to where you can track your passport application. It'll tell you where it is in processing. Okay. Okay. So you may want to try that and let us know. Now, when you're in there, notice that in a separate couple of different areas, they refer to your affidavit as citizenship evidence internally at the State Department. Hmm. Now, as I've said before, I'm pretty sure that all these Columbia-educated lawyers at the State Department pretty much know the accurate definition of the word evidence. Hmm. 
Somebody one time got the State Department master website online and sent sent it to me, and there was all these big wigs listed on there. I think there's about 12 of them. Every frigging one of them had a Ph.D. from Columbia. <laughs> Every frigging one of them. <laughs> what are the chances of that? Oh, I graduated from the Frankfurt School. Oh, good. Well, we're glad you're running the State Department. Well, there's a lot of PhDs in the Fed, too, and look what they did to the economy. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that stands for post hole digger. <laughs> so thanks, John. Are you, are you absorbing some stuff, man? You're relatively new. You've been around a few months. You're obviously very sharp. You know what I'm pleased about you? is that you're open-minded and you let me get all that garbage you had in there out and substitute it with real information. That's what I'm thrilled about with you. Well, it wasn't easy to do. but No, it's not easy to do. And you don't find very many people that are willing to to do it. Do you, Jeff? There's Jeff off of the the radiator shop again. No, I'm here. I'm I'm multitasking. (laughs) Oh, you're playing in the background? You're practicing? Yeah, get ready to do some errands. I yeah. see. What's the, what uh, was the question? What did I miss out on? Well, I asked him. I told John I was really pleased. He's one of the, you know, and I, I referred to you because you're dealing with it right now with that group in Dallas. Man, oh, yeah. it is hard to get all that garbage, that patriot miss and disinformation out of people's heads. Once well, it's in there. That the answer has got to be difficult. I mean, you know, it's got to be difficult. It's so complex. Yeah, you're either one or the other. Oh, no, I can't figure that out. You know, I mean, it's the Mark Twain thing. It ain't what I know that's killing me. It's what I know that ain't so. That is the rubber meeting the road right there. And that's why I get so, you know, it came up the other day about Brent and the way he exploded on, he's done it on two people, you know, uh, in all the years we've been doing this. I understand it a little better than most. They don't understand Brent and his background and his dedication to what he does, and he's very sensitive about it. And if people step on that, he reacts, you know. I, I wish, I haven't had this conversation with him. I thought about it. Calling him and just say, you know, I don't mind you doing that, but could you maybe use it as a teaching moment instead? Instead of a, I'm going to take you behind the woodshed, you know. Uh, but that's the way that I react a lot of times with this stuff. I did it with Brian. Brian hadn't been around with us for a while because he was on here one day talking about, how, I need to get rid of the Social Security number. They can use it when they're attaching liens. I said, well, you know, hell, man. If you owe a lien, if you owe a debt, then Pay it, for God's sakes. And then they won't have to attach a lien to you, okay? And if you, if it's they're doing a bogus lien and trying to attach something that you don't owe, we'll take them to court and get that straightened out. Don't get rid of your Social Security number. That's a crazy-ass reason, okay? But I understand some people are so averse to these bastards, and they want every connection with them done. But you don't need to do that. Okay, and I mean, since Brian and I had that that day, and we got a little got a little heated, if I remember, I don't think he's been on with us since, and I I hate that. Okay, I really do, but I get sensitive about these things too because I've had to fight it so many years of trying to go out and get that crap out of people's minds, and that's why I just made that comment to John because I appreciate his open minded approach because he had a bunch of that I'm a ship sailing on the land crap in his mind too. 
Okay. Yeah, for years. And I appreciate it. I appreciate the fact you go, well, let me reconsider this over here and look at it. And you start looking at it and you start weighing it between the two and you go, boy, was I off on a wrong track. You know, and it's not your fault. It's those are the people you came in contact with. You considered that to be authority. You saw some connections there that gave it validation to you, and you took it on as, as accurate information when it was wrong. I, I'm not beating you up about it. I'm commenting and giving you an accommodation for the fact that you were willing to be open-minded and let it be replaced with accurate information when you saw it. Hey, Roger. Yes. Is that Chuck? Yeah, it's Chuck. Hey, Chuck. <clears throat> I follow a, a woman on Twitter, and she's you're, posting. You're supposed, you're supposed to lead the woman, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't post anything on that. Oh, right sorry, too. on Twitter. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I couldn't resist, Chuck. Sorry. I'm in, a, I'm in a, obviously a pretty good mood today. So you follow a woman on Twitter. Yeah, and she well, she posts a lot of good stuff. She's from Ireland <clears throat> and uh, posts a lot of good stuff. But so I've been every once in a while I hit on the uh, the nationality stuff, and I explain and I've explained to her too that the diff, that that even England, which probably I would say saturates over into Ireland as well, but. I just told her that there are several different uh, statuses there. But anyway, my but my point is that I was uh, that ship on the sea stuff or sailing on the land stuff was in there. And I had never seen it before, and I post stuff in there. And nobody ever says anything to it. Um. Sh anyway, some guy posted something about the. Uh, Asking her if she had ever heard of Jordan Maxwell and maritime law. He was talking about that we're under maritime law. Right. So I uh, I was like, okay. And that goes exactly with what you're talking about now. Yes, and it does. Those guys who pushes that stuff to, and she, she knows about Maxwell. So she's not, so she's not uh, totally ignorant about, Here's some stuff he, out there. Some here's stuff. here's the problem. Jordan Maxwell has tremendous expertise when it comes to symbology and all this stuff, but he don't know jack shit about the law. No, he don't. Okay. And they take the credibility they see with him in those other areas and they transpose it to his incorrect statements. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know. I know. He's he's uh same thing with Dr. Lorraine Day. Dr. Lorraine Day knows a lot about medicine, but when she gets on Andy and starts talking about this same kind of crap, Lorraine, stick to, stick to medicine because you're giving people bad information. Where did she get it? Jordan Maxwell. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, I, okay. Well, that's where, did, where did Jeff Rents get a lot of that stuff? Jordan Maxwell. Ah. Uh. Well, there's another statement about Maxwell I'm looking at right now on a notification dialogue. It says, it's Lane, Maxwell found guilty. Oh, yes, I was going to mention that today. I'm glad you brought it up, Mike, before we ran out of time. Five out of six counts. Uh, I guess she's got a potential of 65 years. What do you think she's going to do, a couple of years with an ankle bracelet? Are going to suddenly disappear and be sent to Israel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, you know, it's amazing that she even got brought to trial, quite frankly. Yeah, I wonder what the, why she's the scapegoat. 
don't know, you know, and I don't know about the interactions. But the other thing is, where who who prosecuted Giselaine? You know who prosecuted her, Mike? No, I do not. But the she Southern, does have it. The have a dead man's switch of information that will oh, go yeah. out. That's why. Oh, oh, yeah. And she's probably told told them, if you don't give me light sentence, I'm going to start releasing. She won't release any of her cohorts. She'll release a bunch of people like Trump or whoever. I'm just using that. You know, I, I don't know whether there's anything there or not. But she obviously won't release everybody. Okay. But the Southern District of New York is where that case is being prosecuted out of. That's a notoriously corrupt, the most single corrupt U.S. Attorney's Office in the country, Southern District of New York. And that's the one that's carrying this out. What's going on? I don't have an answer for you. It's just a big question. That's even worse than the, what is it, the 11th Circuit out of California? No, no, no. The 11th, <laughs> that's the 9th Circuit. The 11th Circuit's in Atlanta. It okay, used, Atlanta used to be the Fifth Circuit, and there was only 10, 10 circuits. These are the appellate levels. And when mm. they made, they added a, a new circuit, they moved the Fifth Circuit to New Orleans and gave Atlanta the new 11th Circuit, And uh, where the Fifth Circuit is Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi. Uh, the 11th Circuit in Atlanta is Georgia, Alabama, and Florida. So that's the way they structure those circuits. Well, which, what is uh, California? California's ninth, 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 notorious wackos in the Ninth Circuit. So that Southern District is worse than the California District? No, 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 no. California is <laughs> notoriously the worst circuit in the country. Oh, they're anti-gun. Well, and, you know, and, and how they get that, that reputation is they have more of their decisions overturned at the Supreme Court. Hmm. That's yeah. usually a judge. How they wear their mantra on have they have you gotten a lot of your decisions overturned? Okay. Well, I just thought it was funny with the, uh, you know, it just runs what you said runs in line with what I had read the other day. Is a that stupid? Uh, he's a theosophist. Jordan Maxwell's a theosophist. That's what uh, you know. And Lorraine Day is supposed to be a Christian, right? No, she uh, she portrays herself to be a very strong one. Yeah, oh. that's what I thought. And, well, uh, see, this is one of the reasons I wanted to get to Andy, because okay. he's got connections to all those people. And There's even though he, he precedes me on here, I would think that people that listen to Andy listen to this show, and probably some of them do. But what I did not take into consideration was what Paul told me, that the majority of people that listen to podcasts listen to recorded podcasts and archives. They don't listen live because they can't. Okay? Yeah. Another, there is another Maxwell statement up here under Black Conservative Patriot, who I watch quite a bit and subscribe to. This Trump team just got tangled up in coordinated Obama mafia attack info on Judge in Maxwell case. Uh, Nathan is her name. She's a female, obviously Jewish. Uh, and uh, they, you know, right before the trial, what Schumer did with her, don't you? I don't. Anybody know? Anybody catch that when it went down a couple of weeks ago? Mm-mm. Well, the circuit that covers in New York is the second circuit, I believe, Chuck. And there's a vacancy on the second circuit, and Mr. Schumer appointed Nathan to the appellate level position before, nah. the, before the trial. Here's your payoff. Please, please work with us. 
You is know, that good for Trump or bad? Well, I don't know about for Trump. It's probably good for Ghislaine. Hell, they didn't bring but three witnesses. She got convicted on five or six counts with just three witnesses when there could have been hundreds brought forward with much more egregious charges than they got her charged with, by the way. She just charged with trafficking. But what, uh, trafficking across state lines, does anybody know what that is? The, the legislative act that they charge people with that? Rico. Nope. Nope. The Man Act. And it was back when uh, who was the who was the the reason that legislation came up was because one of the great boxers, the black boxer, who had a white girlfriend, and they got him charged with taking her across state lines for illegal and immoral purposes. That's the Man Act. Hmm. Okay. When was well, it? That was way at the start of last last century in early parts of last century. Anybody remember who that boxer was? Hey, Raj, can I get a couple minutes? This John. Hey, John. Well, hey, man. How you doing? How you doing sure doing, you man? can, buddy. Trying to bring everybody up to date here. Okay. Well, we need some up-to-date bringing. Happy New Year. Uh, Eve, New Year's Eve Eve, by the way. Hey, New Year yet. It's New Year Eve. I said yeah, New Year's Eve Eve. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> um. Just to bring you all up to date, Kathy is uh, hanging in there. She's uh, apparently. God, I was thinking about this last night. I am so glad you called uh, a status again, please. She's still got the severe kidney problems. Um, She needs a lot of personal care, which she's not getting because her family's so overwhelmed and there's only one daughter that can really help uh, do things. Uh, Has to take care of her dad, has to take care of her mom, has to Mm. take care of her family. Uh, but they're talking uh, uh, now about installing some kind of a port in her jugular vein so that they can begin doing dialysis. They ruled out the uh, eventually transforming her over to a uh, abdominal in-home uh, dialysis program eventually, uh, as far as we know at this point. Um, also, I wanted to let everybody know that the Corona Public Library, if you go online and search Corona Public Library, which is Corona, California, uh, they have a passport passport services office over there, and their website is a is a wealth of information. So if you want an easy link to track your application, it's right there on their webpage. Oh, cool! Okay. Corona, Corona, Public. California, Corona Public Library. Correct. Okay, fantastic. Um, Thank I've, you. I've never John. seen another library that does this. Uh-uh. But in any event, um, you know, you can go over there and get your whole passport and photos and everything done a lot easier than going to the post office and other places. There, you know, and I don't mention this, and I guess I just found out about it. There are places like this, services that will do all that passport expediting and stuff for you. And I don't know what they are. I just became aware of it relatively recently. I didn't know there were such things, but this is kind of like that. So that's good. Corona Public Library. Yeah, for people in Southern California, it's probably pretty good because – they can probably schedule something uh, in opposition to traffic. You know what right. I mean? Where, right. Where, where is Corona exactly? It's between Riverside and Orange County. It's right on the um, 215 freeway, uh-huh. 91 freeway. I'm sorry, the 91 freeway. Right. Okay. It runs from San Bernardino all the way down to, um, you know, down into Orange County. Okay. Um, it's the main corridor uh, that up through there. All Otherwise, right. you got to go way up through uh, – in L.A. County and drop down on what they call the 57, which drops you down. Anyway, um, you know, it's just a matter of learning the matrix. Yeah. But anyway, uh, 
they do have all the stuff like if you've got a, a passport already, it answers your questions. What do you got to do to renew your passport? All that stuff is there. Okay. So, so it helps a lot of people. Uh, the other thing is on the courses that I'm doing, um, I'm scheduled all up for every week in January now already. What, and did, did somebody, somebody have a burrito right there? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to mute. <laughs> Anyway, um, you've been you've been going to Taco Bell again. I can tell. Yeah, you got to run for so, your money over there, you know, John. So anyway, um, courses are great getting getting all set up, and there's more. So if you're in Southern California and you want to host a course, you know, just let me know, and I'll I'll get to you and do that. I'm getting in touch with all the people with Hyperverse. Finally, uh, I've had to slow down because you know we had this massive update here in December. And they put severe restrictions on what you can send out to people or even talk to people about stuff while they go through this process. Uh, they're pretty much nearing the end of it. There's some glitches going on in different places, but nothing major. And um, they've divided into two components. There's a part A, which is what we've been doing all along, and that's not going to go away. That's going to be there. But they've expanded part B, which is a distinct operation. It's still within what they call the hyperverse system, but it's a distinct part of it. And in some of those cases over there, it's uh, a lot of commercial stuff. It's a lot of security stuff. And it's a lot of other programs that the people will be able to participate in, but it's all totally optional. Mm -hmm. Nobody has to do any of it. Mm -hmm. And um, well, when we get cleared, can you get up a little earlier and make our program and tell us about it? Well, that's about all I can tell you right now. No, I, I said when it, I said when it got cleared yeah. when it got clear. Right. Well, people can still operate now, and they're just now beginning presentations again on January 3rd. So um, okay. all those people that contacted me that wanted information, um, I'm finally going to have uh, the, the clearance to send out their information. Now. Okay. So that's, that's all going to be coming. I out. shot you a message this morning on this new website they've got that used to be a total of your account, and I can't find that anywhere. Hello, hello. Somebody, please. Hey, Roger, this is Gary. Roger, this is Gary. Hey, Gary. Hey, I'm standing here with Jim White. We've been going over stuff for the last oh. hour and a half. Hey, Jim. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, buddy. Glad to have you on our platform here. Even even with the feedback. Sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jim wanted a little better understanding of stuff before he... Uh, conducts another interview with you roger so okay. we've just been sitting here going over things uh, a lot of stuff a lot of information yes there's, so, a lot, there's a lot you know as simple as i can explain it there's an awful lot underneath it's like an iceberg you know in studio yeah i got him going to uh jitsi right now he's just loaded it up and uh ppn studio okay well we don't have very much time left but i'd certainly be pleased i'm, I'm glad to have jim on our platform well hey i'll get off i just wanted to tell you that yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, buddy. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. And thank you, you, Gary. You've done a yeoman's <laughs> job out there. Jim, are you on with us now? Uh, I'm not sure. Does yeah. This yeah. This yeah, man. Yeah, you're on. Some whoever's got the radio on in the background, we're getting that interference from. If you could mute out, I'd sure appreciate it. So would Jim and everybody else. Hey, man. Well, welcome to our little gathering here. Jim. Yeah. Now you can talk. Okay. Very good. Yeah. I see. Well, I don't know where that I don't know where that echo is coming from. It's coming from. Yeah, right on. Okay, thanks, Roger. Okay. Okay. 
All right, Jim, did you have a question we can answer? Is Gary servicing you out there pretty good? Well, Gary knows what he's doing. He's been hanging around here a long time, and I think he's got the answers to most of the questions you may want to ask. But, again, welcome to our little Jitsi platform. It's wonderful to have another host on here. Most people don't come by. And this is where uh, anybody can get on here, as you see the 25-plus people on the board here, and ask questions, and we have open discussion and dialogue, and it's extremely productive. Roger. Yes, that's that's yeah, Dave. That's Dave in the thumb right folks. there. Yes, sir. How are you, everybody? Pretty good. Uh, happy New Year's Eve. Uh, anyway, I I had to I got to speak up about the kidneys. You know, I know three, four people personally that had third and fourth stage kidney disease. One of them was my wife with third stage. Okay. Wallach's got a product called Ultimate Daily Classic Tablets, and they are the roto-rooter of the veins and arteries, and nobody gets kidney damage. The kidneys filter all the blood in the body, and the blood is dirty, and those kidneys get plugged up. And this stuff, I'm telling you, it works. I know it works. I've got an 87-year-old distributor that's been on hospice for like six years, and he had fourth-stage kidney disease, renal failure. They wanted to put him on dialysis in 10 days on this product. He went and had a CAT scan and an MRI, and it's, it disappeared. Okay, Doc tells the story of a guy 73 years on dialysis. Okay, yeah. Doc gets him on this protocol. In two weeks, the guy calls up Doc, and he says, Doc, I just peed my pants. Um, he hadn't urinated in 73 years. Uh, he was uh, on dialysis uh, Dave, that's, days a week. That's incredible. Now, listen, usually as we're about to transition here, Jim Ram's on with us. Uh, and, of course, Jim and Kathy have a longstanding relationship. Jim, are you with us? Yes, I am. Okay, can you, put, you make sure? I, I would imagine you've already mentioned that to him. If you haven't, could you yeah, please? Yeah, we actually tried to get her on things, and for some reason, she is so messed up that she can't tolerate any of the nutritional supplements. Ah. And now, she, what about just the Ultimate Daily Classics tablet? I'm going to suggest it to her. She should have the stuff still. Um, we placed an order a while back, and she couldn't tolerate any of the liquids. Uh, at all, they just made her throw up uh, for some reason. Okay, but, so this um, guy, I'm going to see if we can just my get buddy her to do on the dialysis. Tablets. I mean, my buddy on on uh, hospice. Mm -hmm. This just happened like three weeks ago, and in ten days, he, and he's not, you know, he smokes again. He's great, you know, he's eating gluten all over the place. And <laughs> I'm telling you, this guy just was taking them tablets, and it cleared up in ten days. So, yeah, I'll talk to her and see if we can. Well, okay. I'll see if I can get hey, her on. Great. Thanks for the input there, Dave. Yeah. yeah. Jeff, is that you? No, it's John. I wanted to finish oh, it's up John. Okay. Jim. Jim, it was the liquid that was making her ill. Yeah, I know. And I thought mm -hmm. she had the tablets also. I was gonna, if you if talk to her, suggest that she takes those all by themselves. Okay. I don't know what she has and what she doesn't have. Yeah, I'll double check and make sure that we, or, we should have ordered that stuff. Um, and if not, I'll get some ordered and get it on its way to her. Thank okay. you. Thank you, Jim.
Yeah, I want to do that. Uh, listen, one other thing, Raj. Again, yeah. if people are in Southern California and they want to host a class or attend a class, they need to contact me so I can try to plug them into some of these that are being hosted. All righty. Okay. Uh, We're really and, making headway, buddy. Okay. I, well, a, uh, I, I, I feel an engineer uh, uh, hosting a class now. Yeah. I just talked to another gu gubernatorial candidate who wants a class. Oh. Um, we got cool. a question here. If he's a national, can he be governor? Well, the only stipulation I know is that you can't be a state a senator from your state. It's probably because of the 17th Amendment when they changed all that around, be my guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's the only restriction I know of right there. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll find out. And you know, oh, where we, you know where we found out about that? John, is no. the most amazing place. Wikipedia of all places. Oh, great. Okay. Uh, for those of you who don't know, there's a wonderful paragraph in Wikipedia, notoriously unreliable and, and corrupt Wikipedia, under the citizenship of the United States is the entry, and it's the third paragraph. First to deal with the 14th Amendment, and under the 14th Amendment, they quote it, is that one, and they, you know how they started out? Nationality status in italicized letters. And then they tell you about the state citizen, but they start out the paragraph with nationality status. How about that? I think that's the one that we pass out in the class. It, it probably is, yeah. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it was in that little paragraph where they say the only thing you can't do is run for Senate from your state. But, I, John, I didn't think you were going to run for Senate anyway, so I figured it's all right. Ain't me, no. <laughs> but I'll tell you, listen, you, you understand we're making some real head ground here. I do. I do. I've got all kinds of Jim Jim Whites on with us here this morning, and and you know we just did this thing with Andy, and 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 we got connections into the three big platforms now. That if we can get on one of them, I think we'll be on all of them. And if we can be on all of them, I don't know that it'll bring these bastards down, but I honest to God think it'll bring them to their knees. They can't stand the exposure. They're getting well, way too much exposure on everything right now Raj. that they've done. Yeah, John. I'm concerned about the pushback by the State Department. All of a sudden, things are starting to get slow-tracked. They're getting misdirected. A lot of things will happen. I'd sure prefer to keep this in a, as a guerrilla operation and spread this thing like a virus. Well, I can't help how effectively we're getting to the State Department because you're right. They seem to be throwing up some roadblocks. You know, actually, John, that's a good sign because that means we're being effective. Because they haven't really done that for the 11 years, except occasionally with those bluff letters. And now mm -hmm. all of a sudden they're throwing this stuff up as road. Oh, your pictures don't meet our specifications, you idiots. Well, so here, here's what happened with the uh, financial business. Uh, you know, we had really great products that we could get tax-free income out of. And so, so what happened is, is all the big brokers went out there, start advertising it and taking ads out on the Wall Street Journal. Tax-free income, tax-free income. Do this and do that. And they... All of a sudden, the government decided they needed to change some rules. Right. And well, so they made it a lot tougher for everybody simply because they made so damn much noise about what they were doing forever under, under the radar. Right. Well, we can uh, tell them. We'll start a movement. We can get you totally out of the tax movement. How about that? <laughs> well, no, that's not the point. What I'm saying is is that you poke the pig. The oh, yeah. Going yeah. Well, then, then you're poking him effectively is the only thing I can say. Well, Another fun solution. Yeah. Is that you got that is, Go ahead, Mike. Quick. That, that is my local district congressman is always sending me emails telling me if I have any kind of problem with any agency, please contact so they can fix my problem. Well, that's one yeah, of the things.